happens for all of us. It's, it's like you new company. I need to drive growth. I need to drive usage. Let me try a bunch of different things. It doesn't always mean that I'm going to tr- throw spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks. It just means I'm going to try these channels. I read a lot of blogs. I follow these influencers. Let me try five, six, seven different things and see what works. But it's really important to stay focused. And, and it's it's very, very hard, right? So I think what what drives focus or what can drive focus and, and improve that is is having targets, right? So if you if you have a set target, I need to hit this revenue goal or this MRR goal or this this user goal, then then you then then you're not gonna try dumb things. You might, but you're gonna focus on things that will get you there. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month, and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text quick tips to 33444. That's the word quick Q-U-I-C-K and tips, T-I-P-S as in sugar, to 33444, and you get instant access. All right, everybody. Today we have Lloyd Lobo, who's the head of growth at Speakeasy, which is a tool that provides conference calling, screen sharing, and collaboration to close more business faster. And that sounds very generic, but I'm going to let him explain more in a second. But Lloyd is also the co-founder of Attraction Conference as well. So we'll talk about that in a little bit. Lloyd, how are you doing today? I'm well. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do? Awesome. So I, I joined Speakeasy in October um, as head of growth, and what that means is really trying a bunch of different things to see what works and 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 double down on on things that are working and and scale it. Uh, if you do a ton of conference calls and online meetings, you know most of them suck, right? You just enter long pin codes, install software, try to figure out who's on the call, use a tool to take notes, and then after the call, some poor sucker has to compile these notes and send it off, and and then log it to CRM. We take that pain away and, and put an end to unnecessary admin work. So you get a pinless number and a personal URL. You never miss your calls because you can set the system to call you when your meeting starts or when someone joins. You bring your entire workflow related to your meetings in one place. So screen sharing, file sharing, collaboration, note taking, all of that stuff. And then after the call, we compile and send a meeting summary and automatically log the call to CRM. Currently, we're integrated with Salesforce. All right. So Lloyd, tell us a little bit about where the company is at right now. So we launched in, uh, in open beta last May, right? And we got around 10,000 users trying the product, using it, giving us feedback. When I joined in October, I spent the bulk of my time talking to existing users, understanding what pains is it solving, getting feedback, what they like, what they'd like to see improved. And, and, and that was one part of it. And the other part of it was figuring out our ideal customer profile and reaching out to them and trying to understand 
what pains they're seeing with existing solutions, what are they forced to cobble together because they don't have speakeasy. And taking all of that feedback, refined it, and gearing into our next release of the product coming out uh, Feb 9th. So Lloyd, tell us a little bit about how you guys ended up getting 10,000 users pre-launch. How did that go about happening? A number of things went into play there. One, um, we launched at the Twilio conference. We got a we got some good press on VentureBeat and TechCrunch. We were on Product Hunt, uh, and then we did a lot of manual outreach uh, to networks and, and of influencers as well as networks that we already had between ourselves, between the founding team as well as myself and some of the uh, team members and. It just grew from there. The other thing to keep in mind is like a, a, a solution like conference calling has some inherent virality, right? So if you have a good experience when you're with four or five people on the call, uh, chances are after two or three such experiences, they'll sign up and, and join as well. So we see a ton of that, right? I think like 20, 30% of, uh, of our new users come as a result of being on a call with somebody else. Interesting. So... 10,000 pre-launch, how many users do you guys have around right now? Um, we have, I mean, they're all there, right? So the, the key question is how many can we convert to paying? So that's that's the million dollar. I'm sorry, I should reframe. So you you, got, you guys had 10,000 for the pre-launch, but how many users do you guys have today? Those uh, We've accumulated those users from, from pre-launch to now. Got it. That's what I was saying. Yeah. Okay, got it. Makes sense. All right. Yeah. So you talked about, you know, you joined, you joined, you know, earlier, uh, earlier 2015 or later 2015. And you talked about you know, talking to customers and then, you know, asking them about what they liked and what they didn't like. You know, what's your whole process for, you know, serving customers? What does that look like? So one, I don't necessarily believe in, in sending like email surveys and all of that stuff. My whole goal is, Hey, we're working on this. Thanks for using speakeasy. I'd love to get your feedback. Uh, do you have 15 minutes for a call this week or next? That that sort of thing. That's my approach. Get on the phone with them. If, even better if I could meet them in person and understand a day in the life, understand where our solution fits in their flow and what do they like, what do they hate, what would they like to see improved, that sort of thing. And, and, and just working on that. The more you hear it from a critical mass of people, then you know where to, what direction to take your product in and how to refine it from there, right? Like you want to hear it from hundreds of people. What you do not want to do is you'll, you'll get these one-off feature requests from different users. And if you keep fielding feature requests, it's going to be a mess, right? It's going to be right, a spicy. Right. So you don't want to do that. You want to talk to enough people to understand how they're using it and, and what you can do to improve and make it more efficient from them for them. At the end of the day, what you're really doing is you're making their life better, their life easier. You're trying to save time for them, right? Makes sense. Makes sense. So, so people are people probably, are probably in the audience. You know, how does Speakeasy really differ from all the conference tools that are out there? You know, people are already subscribing right now. You know, what what is the main differentiator? You would say I, I can just hear people asking in the audience. Yeah, definitely. So we we get that a lot as well. And, and that's why we've honed in on, on the salesperson, right? Um, the bulk, I shouldn't say the bulk, but a good chunk of our users are selling to others. And, and what we want to do uh, and what we're doing is making it more efficient and more uh, making conference calling and online meetings more productive for the salesperson. So when you're a salesperson, one, you don't want to build a solid reputation with your client on the line. You don't want to be late. 
You don't want drop calls. You don't want bad call quality, all of that stuff. You don't want your clients entering wrong, long pins and, and downloading stuff. So first thing, other solutions in the market, long pin numbers, you got to download software. So with us, you don't have that, right? Pinless number, custom URL, you just join. The second thing is you don't want to miss the meeting. We call you at start or when someone joins. So that's that's another differentiator. The third thing is people cobble together multiple tools. I'm a sales guy. I'm on a call. I'm, I'm, I'm doing a screen share. That's fine. I need, I need to do note taking, so I'll use Evernote maybe. Um, I need to go and check out my prospect's social profile, so I'll hop over into LinkedIn. And you know what? I, gotta, I really need to see what's up with this opportunity, so I'm, I'm going to spend some time in Salesforce. you got four or five tabs open. We bring all of that in one place. right? We don't want you to focus on the customer, focus on the call. Don't focus on switching between apps and tabs. So when you're on the call, you can click on the caller profiles and see their LinkedIn, their Twitter. You can see their Salesforce history, how many meetings you've had, what opportunities, and all of that. You can take notes. You can chat. And whatever happens on that call after, you can clean it up after the call and send it off as a meeting summary. And right from Speakeasy, you can log it to Salesforce. Nobody does that. Interesting. So if I were to reframe it, I would say this would be superior conference calling for salespeople. That would be the first target market, would you say? Yeah, exactly. And, and that, that's one of the things uh, we try to nail down, right? When, you, when you're an early company, mind you, we've, we've raised $5 million, but we're an early startup, right? Uh, you don't want, if, if you focus on too many things, you're not going to please anybody. Mm-hmm. And, and the bulk of our 10,000 users, I, I shouldn't say the bulk, but a good portion of our 10,000 users are folks from various industries, various job titles, various segments. And where we found the most success is with salespeople. Because we're saving them time. We're adding hours to their day. They're the ones doing a ton of conference calls. They're the ones doing a ton of online demos. And so we said, let's just focus on this account executive, outbound sales rep, and make this person's life better and then expand from there. Otherwise, you're just building uh, you know, what everyone, everyone else is building. And then it, it's like, a, um, I guess it's a feature race to the bottom, right? I love it because if, if this is a tool that works really well for one account executive, he's, he's going to tell everybody on his team he wants to look really good at the same time too, right? And everybody gets a lift at the same time. So I, I like that, you know, selling to account executives because they're naturally, you, know, you talked about the virality there. Um, you know, all the salespeople want the coolest, you know, the, the coolest tools to, to get ahead of the game. So I like that. Exactly, right? And that's why we don't, we're not building a webinar tool. We're not building, um, you know, just a regular conference bridge. That's not what we're doing. We, we want to be a software company that makes sales reps more productive. And like I said, the, the conference calling business is inherent, inherent virality in there. So if, if we can provide a great experience to an account executive who's doing a ton of calls, chances are that their clients are going to love it and ask about it. And not only that, see it and jump on it. I love it. So I want to jump back to the pre-launch for a second. So when you guys did the pre-launch, uh, what was the offer exactly? What did it look like? Were you pushing people to a landing page? What exactly got people to sign up? Yeah, so the, the offer at, uh, at, at launch or pre-launch was pinless number, call you at start, mobile first, mobile only kind of thing, right? Um, and a very simple use case. Um, you sign up, download the app, and link your calendar, you get this pinless local number, you set it to call you at start, share it with everyone and people join. Very, very one simple use case. And as 
as we added users and we talked to them and refined our ideal customer profile and tried to understand their pain points, then we started expanding into other features like screen sharing or, or note taking and all of that, right? So it has to come from pain points. Makes sense. Makes sense. So you guys are prepared to, you know, you guys are preparing for a, a bigger launch now. I guess what is going into that preparation right now? So all kinds of things, deeper, deeper understanding of, and, and, and marketing has to be, marketing and growth and product, everything has to be together, right? It's integrated. So we, be, better understanding and, and honing in on the user persona and then figuring out where they eat, breathe, drink, and sleep, and then just, yeah, sort of, um, not even sort of, but go and dominate that space, right? Got it. Got it. I, I think a lot of startups tend to forget about, you know, they try to, you, you talk about people trying to do too many things at once. And for, for startups, it's it's about, you know, really nailing down that one channel first and maybe 10xing, 20xing, 100xing down. And I, I think a lot of people forget about that. I'm great. I'm grateful that you, that you touched upon that. And I think it's, it's a really important reminder. Um, just to retouch upon that. The, go ahead. I've fallen prey to that as well, right? That happens for all of us. It's, it's like your new company, I need to drive growth, I need to drive usage, let me try a bunch of different things. It doesn't always mean that I'm going to tr- throw spaghetti on the wall and see what sticks. It just means I'm going to try these channels, I read a lot of blogs, I follow these influencers, let me try five, six, seven different things and see what works. But it's really important to stay focused and, and it's it's very, very hard, right? So I think... What what drives focus or what can drive focus and, and improve that is is having targets, right? So if you if you have a set target, I need to hit this revenue goal or this MRR goal or this this user goal, then then you then then you're not gonna try dumb things. You might, but you're gonna focus on things that will get you there. What's an example of one of your targets for Q1? Oh man, my my Q1 target. So uh, actually, you know what? I I wouldn't share it publicly if that's okay. That's okay. That's that's totally fine. Could you give us an idea of what a good target would look like for an early stage startup? Definitely. If if you're an early stage startup, you just, you just your baseline is nothing, right? So you need you need to be growing. I would say ten, twenty, thirty percent week over week. That's I mean, if you do that, it's a billion dollar company, right? But sustainable. Not, Sustainable growth week over week, right? You eventually you'll get to a point where you can't do that and you can't sustain that. But when you're just starting out, you need to say, "How do I double my growth week over week?" Right? If you're talking to one person next week, you got to bring five people and then like fifteen people. Right? It's the same thing with any online activity you do. You want to drive more and more week over week, and that'll sort of taper off, and it becomes harder and harder as you reach that critical mass of users or customers, right? So great point right there. I think you need to focus on, you know, the percentage of the growth rate, we should just call it, uh, for a period of time. So what period of time do you think that, you know, 10, 20, 30% actually starts to die off? I think it, it becomes very difficult once you've sort of tapped out a channel or two, right? Almost, right? So like, let's say, let's say, uh, and, and it's it's so hard to tap out a channel, so I, not necessarily the right thing to say. But let's let's say you you're focusing on salespeople in in the Bay Area or San Francisco, right? And you've done everything you can, and you've got maybe 
a few thousand salespeople using it, paying for it, loving it. How do you increase from there? It becomes more and more and more difficult, right? And you feel, and that's when you need to sort of expand the boundaries. So if you start small, stay focused on a particular subset of a market and please them and get product feedback, bake it in, they're loving it, then you can expand and expand and expand and expand from there. Makes sense. So let's let's go back to that 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 launch again. You know, big launches coming. You know, what channels are you are you looking at? What do you think have the most potential given the audience that you're you're, you're targeting? So I I would say you know all this PR and, and like there's a bunch of things you can do right. There's all these different channels right now today online right product hunt PR and all of this stuff. For me, the most important thing right now over the next few months is sales. I want I want to build and get the sales engine working. And it's, 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 it's different than traditionally what we've done, which is, uh, uh, which is more focused on organic and inbound. But I feel um, sales is the way to go because we're selling to salespeople. Totally. Total yeah, I, I'd imagine, you know, lifetime value of a customer is, I mean, you know, if you please them with your product, they're gonna be around for a long time. So I, I think having that, that sales engine, it makes complete sense. Um, okay, so I want to switch gears right now, and I want to talk a little bit about Traction Conference. Can you tell us a little bit about what that is and how you came about it? Traction Conf is another interesting story. So um, in my last, so I started a couple of companies. One is Bose Capital, which is a, which is a tech sort of tech services company that helps technology companies recover their research and development costs from the government. That we bootstrapped that with nine people, did really well. And I took a ton of time to travel because it was a great lifestyle business. And I was almost traveling like every month, every other month. My daughter was almost two years and she'd been on 40 flights. And I was so bored. Last, uh, last February, I was in Dubai and Kuwait. I was born in Kuwait and, and then moved as a refugee in the Gulf War. So I, I, was, I was in Kuwait and, and talking to entrepreneurs. And I found that like in Dubai and Kuwait, like it just kept coming up like, traction we don't know how to get keep and grow customers so like wow this is this is the same problem everyone faces universally right and then a good friend of mine uh runs launch academy in canada and he's like yeah we should do we should run like a workshop or something that's focused on getting startups new startups traction so i talked to my co-founder at boast capital alex as well and like we're like yeah it's a great idea but we're giving you no budget right so figure out if this thing works so my step one there was, well, do people even want it? I had done all this customer development in the Middle East while I was traveling, talking to entrepreneurs. So I knew there was a need there, but I wasn't going to run a conference in the Middle East. So came back uh, to, uh, to the U.S. and then started talking to entrepreneurs locally and, and in Canada as well. And what we found was that the bulk of the conferences that are run, they're very high level. They bring like a giant, big name speaker and they do this high level entrepreneur's journey. But the founders are still like, hey, what do I read? What do I do? Right? Like there are tons of blogs. How do I cut through the clutter? So we're like, what if you, what if we did a conference that was so tactical that you could walk away with tips immediately to implement in your, in your go to market strategy as a startup? And they're like, yeah, love it. We'd, we'd definitely attend would pay like four, five, six hundred bucks for it, like a one-day growth MBA kind of thing. And so we're like, okay, great. We we know now that pe- that people will pay for it and and attend. So the next step was let's invite speakers. So literally used uh, when a um, I think CB Insights, they had the unicorn list. Used Kimono, 
scrape that list, put that list up on Mechanical Turk, got everyone's email addresses, wrote a very simple email. Hey, I'm doing this conference focused on helping startups how to get, keep, and grow customers. The first one is in Vancouver. Would love to have you join. Are you in? And then like ran a drip every couple of days with new updates. So like if, if we got a few speakers interested, then we'd, uh, we'd send that update off and then one or two speakers confirmed and the rest went from there. That took about a couple of weeks over the weekend, built uh, the landing page, put up tickets for sale, put up super early bird for like $2.99. Bucks. That sold out in a day. And then uh, the FOMO of that, our early birds sold out in a week. And then the conference sold out 45 days ahead of schedule. Um, so yeah, I mean, that, that, that was the story of Traction. And then I was traveling in Peru. That, uh, so Traction, was la- Traction Vancouver was last June. And then in July, I took some time off to go to Peru. And I had Daniel Sachs, the CEO of AppDirect, which is a billion and a half dollar startup now. Um, and he called me. He was a speaker. He's like, I really love the conference. Do you want to collaborate on something in the Bay Area? I said, sure. And he's like, I'll sponsor the whole thing, run Traction uh, SF. And then the same thing. We set aggressive targets. We said, all right, this is July. You want to run the conference in October. First week of October, we need to build a lineup in 10 days. And we ran the same process. And we had success from one. And we confirmed the lineup in five days. And essentially the same same, same tactics we, uh, we did to use to scale it to SF. So that's the story. Got it. So how many attendees did you have at, in Vancouver? And then how many in SF? So we cap our conferences at 600 attendees. We want we want the right kind of people there. So the right kind of people for us are founders, um, folks who run marketing, folks who run growth, folks who run product, are the, are our target market is our target market. So okay. so the experience is really great, right? I didn't have interest in running a giant conference because I feel sometimes in the Bay Area we, we focus too much on this is the biggest conference for this or the biggest conference for that. I'd rather get like a few hundred people, five, 600 people together and, and provide them a great experience and then build and grow from there, right? Quality over quantity, right? Yeah, because I mean, the, we could always scale it, but we've kept that. I mean, we, we kept the same sentiment for SF and we're doing the next one in Vancouver in June and we've capped it again at 600 because that's been our sweet spot. The other thing is we don't do long talks. They're all TED style. So if you're Parker Conrad or you're this or you're Selena from SurveyMonkey, or you're the CMO of Slack, or whatever, no matter who you are as a speaker, the talks are all 15 minutes. The fireside chats are all 20 minutes. So it's actionable. We want people to walk away with like few things that, can, that they can immediately implement, rather than, you know, sometimes it just becomes this long story, and, and people, attention spans are low, right? These people just can't stick on. If I, if I can't, um, listen to a talk for half an hour, 45 minutes, then I can't expect my audience to do that. It actually makes a lot of sense because there's a lot of podcasts out there where I I'll listen, you know, 15 to 20 minutes. And I have to two exit too, because I just want them to get to the point. Um, and the same thing, you know, I, when I, I spoke at a recent event and I was given a 15 minute slot, I was like, how am I going to packing up in there? But when you set that constraint, you're forced to pack that amount in there and people are, you're just going to take away that one key takeaway and you eliminate all the fluff, right? Exactly. Exactly. You you don't want you you don't want fluff content. You just want you want key takeaways, and then people come back, right? So when we when we did the SF conference, 
we had almost like 50% of the people come from Canada, almost. At the, at the end, I, I asked the question, how many people are here from Canada? It was like half the room. And we'll get the same thing. You get people coming back over and over. I've had CEOs tell me that the talks are so like TED style that it's 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 good. We can listen rather than somebody just rambling on for a long time. We and in terms of like marketing and driving that even um, in the Bay Area, it's easy to get five six hundred people to attend your conference. Although it's it's so noisy, but you got a good lineup of speakers. People will attend in Vancouver or like in Canada. There's not as many people, so it's, it's even harder. Um, so there, what worked best for us was building an email list, building a community, uh, email, direct emails, and I, I'm a big believer in email marketing to your community. That worked, and then we did some very interesting retargeting. I'm not sure if I told you this before, but there's this tool called Retarget Links, and uh, it, it helps you retarget other people's content that you share. We, we don't have time to write a blog, we had all these speakers. They wrote interesting content. We shortened uh, their URLs with uh, retarget links that tied to our AdRoll account. And then anyone who clicked on um, those blog posts or pieces of content that we shared started seeing ads for traction on Facebook and display. Yeah, I, I think you were the guy that, that showed me that. I also know there's another tool out there called Snipply, but that one more has like a call to action at the bottom. So I think retarget links is just you push them to a link, but then the, the pixel you're able to pixel those people, right? Is that how it works? Yeah, yeah. So the, that drove the, about 70, 80% our, of our tickets came from direct email. Um, press did some, right? We had good relationships in the Canadian press. So uh, that got our word out. And then retargeting uh, worked really well. Got it. Got it. I love it. So what, when it comes to putting together a conference, I mean, there's obviously a lot of headaches that, that come with it. So what are some mistakes, what are some mistakes, I'm sorry, what are some mistakes to avoid as a conference planner? So as, as a conference planner, there's two pieces of it, right? Or there's three pieces of it. One, getting speakers. The, the other piece is marketing. And then last piece is logistics. I'll start with logistics. I see a lot of people trying to save costs and like, book a venue and then um, then use a supplier for like, AV and use a supplier for catering. And if you can't hire a project planner and you want to manage it all, it's just a headache, right? We, we did that mistake once and it was me and our founding team running around throughout the conference and didn't get a chance to enjoy it. Uh, I would just say pick a hotel that's all inclusive. It ends up costing a little more. But like, find a venue that takes care of everything for you on the logistics side. Can you give us that cost that cost breakdown? You said it costs a little more, but what's one uh, without the hotel doing it for you? And once you know, what, what's the difference? I guess it would like doing it, having the hotel take care of everything for you, probably like fifteen percent more, Got right? It. But it's it's ten fifteen percent more. It's worth the it's it's worth it, right? Because having if you if you go pick a venue somewhere and then like find a caterer and find an AV person and all of that. You got to manage it unless you hire somebody to manage all of that. Right. And if you're, if you're a bootstrap conference guy, you don't have the budget to hire somebody. At least if you go to a hotel, they give you an estimate, you know, the experience is going to be right. You can bake it all into, into the cost of your ticket. That makes total sense. Yeah, ten to fifteen percent more. Maybe you know, maybe the first time around, maybe you do it yourself just to really get get the experience and understand it, or maybe you're tight on budget. But after that, you know, once you have quote unquote traction, uh, yeah. ten to fifteen percent should be an afterthought. I think so. I agree with that. 
Um, all right. Yeah, so one thing I wanted to touch upon, you talked about uh, a lifestyle, you know, Bose Capital being a lifestyle business. What do you mean by that exactly? So I wouldn't, I wouldn't like, so when I say lifestyle business, meaning I, I think my co-founder will be really upset <laughs> if he heard me say that. Now, not necessarily a lifestyle business, but uh, like, how do I word it? Um, a business that gives you a good lifestyle, right? So, so you're not, uh, you, it makes good money. You haven't raised outside money. You don't need funding. Everything is in gear. Um, and, and you don't need to spend millions of dollars to hire growth experts or salespeople to explode. You're not going for the billion dollars, right? You're going, you, you want to build a $20, $30 million sustainable business that gives you a good lifestyle for, for, time period right perhaps maybe maybe uh, i mean i should ask you the question what is your goal with single grain is it to turn into a billion dollar company and like work around the clock or is it to to be balanced a little bit what a great question what a great question so the way i look at a lifestyle business i just wanted to define it for for everyone and that's a good definition for sure but i look at lifestyle business to me that's lifestyle slash cash flow business right uh with the services business you you know for the most part, you're probably not going to achieve, you know, those, those sexy billion dollar plus valuations. It's really good for, um, for you personally, you know, it's good for you personally, but you know, investors aren't going to want to put in, put in money for it. But I think, you know, when people are starting out, um, to not have to worry about anything, not have to worry about cash anymore, you know, lifestyle slash cash flow business would be good for that. And then after you have that security, you can go work on, you know, whatever the fuck you want. You can go work on something that investors will want to put money into that where you want to aim for that billion dollar plus uh, valuation or, you know, whatever you want to do. That That's how I look at it. So the, the, the when I when I think of lifestyle and, and cash flow business, I, I think of freedom, uh, you know, not being tied down to anything. So that's how I look at it. Exactly. Right. So and, and not it's not necessary that every business that starts out as a lifestyle business remains a lifestyle business. I know a few friends of mine who, who started out as like consulting shops, doing services businesses, and then they honed in on a per- particular market and they really nailed down the customer problem. And <clears throat> over time, just doing consulting for their customers, they saw a product idea in there and they started building that. And then they raised a ton of money and now they've got like 100 million plus valuations, right? So it, it, you never know where the world takes you. At the end of the day, I like, I like your, your term cash flow business. If, if you build something to provide value and make money rather than a fast in and out, chances are you might uh, stumble upon a great idea that may not be as sexy, but it, it, it will possibly be a big, big business. Totally, totally agree with that. All right, let's switch gears again. Let's talk about you personally. What's one piece of advice you'd give to your 25-year-old self? Uh, I, if, if I could go back in time, I would have started my first company right out of college, if I could. So I, I come from a family where you work hard, you work for the man, and then you retire when you're 65, right? And, and, and you look after your family and all of that stuff. Um, it was more about like, hey, where's your degree and where's your master's and like, where's the promotion and how big is the company you're working for? Oh, you're working for a small company? You're working for a startup? You haven't achieved it. So that, <clears throat> that's, that's the culture. I, I, it's, the, it's the Asian culture. It happens to me too. I, I think it's, uh, yeah, it's the Asian way. <laughs> exactly, right? So uh, for, for, the, for the longest time, that's, that's what I saw. Even when I started, uh, when I co-founded Bose Capital, even, even with Traction, um, I think for the longest time, my parents thought I was doing nothing until, un- until 
like a newspaper did a feature on the business and they're like, oh, wow. So you are doing something, right? So <laughs> um, if I could give myself my 22-year-old self some advice, I would say start a company. There's never, it's, it's never too late. It's never too early. Amen. Amen. So in an ideal day, you know, obviously startup, a lot, lot of things are flying around, but if you had an ideal day, how would you structure your ideal day? If I could structure it this way, I'd like to wake up early. I, I always wake up early. I'm up by four or five in the morning, but I'd like to hit the gym. My gym doesn't open that early and, uh, and just get into work, uh, take care of things while before the distractions sink in. Like send out, especially I think the most important things I could do is like start prospecting, reach out to customers, like get that out of the way, schedule calls, schedule demos, get get FaceTime with customers, whatever. I feel whatever is the most relevant, important task for you for the day, do that first mm-hmm. when, you, when you have a lot of energy and, and you're up, right? Totally. Totally. The early morning is the, it's, it's the, everybody shut up time. There's no messages. There's no emails, whatever you get to, you get to do the gym first and then you get to work on the most important thing. And then the chaos starts. Right. So I totally, I, I totally can sympathize with that. And that's what I do too. Um, now what's one must read book you'd recommend to everyone? Must read book. So I'm, I'll tell you what I've read recently that I like. I like the Traction book by Justin Maris, but that's that's been a while since uh, since what, last year. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm reading. So Mark Robert from uh, HubSpot wrote this book on scaling sales. I can I can look it up real quick. The sales acceleration <laughs> formula. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that's a, that's a good book. And then yeah, so th- those are two two good books. And then I I, re- I read blogs more. Then I then I read books. So I, I read Brian Balfour's uh, uh, book on uh, blog called Co Elevate. I read Andrew Chen's blog. Um, I, I read uh, Darmesh from HubSpot. He has a good blog. Uh, HubSpot in general puts out some really good content. Mark's Suster or Suster uh, puts out a good blog, uh, and then uh, First Round Review has a good blog. So there's if you follow these uh, growth experts, I mean they all write interesting stuff. Yeah, those are the those are the top blogs, at least on, on my list for sure. Um, so we'll drop that in the show notes. But Lloyd, this has been fantastic. What's the best way for people to find you online? Uh, Twitter, um, Lloyd Lobo. I don't tweet as much. Um, it's easier to find me on like TractionConf. I'll, I'll tweet from TractionConf. Um, and that's it. LinkedIn, Lloyd Lobo. Perfect. Perfect. So we'll drop that in the show notes. Everyone, make sure you check out Speak Easy, if you, especially if you want to close deals faster. Lloyd, this has been great again. Thanks for doing this. Awesome. Yeah, it's speakeasy.co, speakeasy.co. Hey, everyone. Just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month, and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text quick tips to 33444. That's the word quick, Q-U-I-C-K, and tips, T-I-P-S as in sugar, to 33444, and you get instant access.
Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.